Well, as you've probably gathered from the songs that uh, were sung this morning, um, we, are, we are all about um, Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us. We're all about that this morning, and that he is that sign, and, and what does that mean? And talking about even the signs a little bit this morning, and what all those mean uh, to us in our lives, even historically. And my text this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And let me just, uh, before I give you the more specific context in in an abbreviated way, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this and if you're not familiar, but even if you have, to take this afternoon, for example, and I think within a matter of 15 minutes, you'll have a pretty good grasp on the overall context of this passage. So let me encourage you by starting with chapter 6 in Isaiah, where Isaiah has this call and he has this amazing experience in the temple in God's presence. Well, in God's presence, and he saw the Lord lifted high and God calls him. And it's an amazing, I'm getting maybe too detailed here in, in time, but it's a fascinating scripture to me because I know for me, for other pastors, those who preach, those who are teaching, those who are serving the Lord in ministry uh, uh, more directly in this sense with the word, God calls him and he says that he would go for him. And then right after that, basically, God says, fine, I'm glad you're going to go. Go and preach your heart out, but they're not going to listen to you. They don't care for what you say. It doesn't matter, but keep preaching. That's what he tells them. Getting a little fired up here, but he had the call. The call kept him and he kept going, even though nobody listened to him. And then chapter 7 comes and there's this rulership that's going on, this, king, this, this, this governance with King Ahaz. We'll talk about it in a minute. And then we hear this, this scripture, verse 14, where the prophet speaks and, and, and comes to him and, and gives him this, this word. And I'll get to that in a minute. But there's only three times in the Bible where you'll find the name Emmanuel. Three times. That's it. you find it in Isaiah 7.14. You'll find it in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 8, and you'll also find it in the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel, where the angel comes to Joseph and assures him that who is going to be born is Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins, but he's gonna, his name will be called Emmanuel. And, and there's a reference there, a reminder to Joseph that that was in fulfillment of prophecy. Three times, Emmanuel. And we know very specifically, we are told as oftentimes when Scripture interprets Scripture or Scripture clarifies for us how we should understand or the meaning of the word. And the angel tells him that his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. That's what the name means. It means God is with us. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no misunderstanding. The name simply means God is with us. Emmanuel. And Jesus was born as Emmanuel. The context here is, again, Ahaz, who is facing one of the, a big mess in his life, King Ahaz. Now, let me, as I mentioned in first service, it's, really, it's an interesting and, and really unfortunate thing, actually. Um, I'm always troubled when I think about my own life and I think about history, God's people in history. It's troubling that God's people, the northern and southern kingdom, they had kings. And there's a track record, historically, of God's people and, his, and the kings that were ruling. And there was this pattern that was altering between a good king and a bad king. Good king and a bad king. Good king and a bad king. It's pretty much what it was if you read through all the kings of Israel. Good king, bad king. Righteous, 
Wicked. Righteous? Wicked. One guy, one king is leading. He's fearing the Lord. They're worshiping God the way he wants them to. Then the next king comes in line and they're worshiping false God. They're doing human sacrifices, doing all kinds of detestable, grotesque, sick things, wicked, evil, vile things. Another king comes and it's good. Just an interesting thing because I find it interesting that even in the book of Judges that was happening as well with God's people. They would go through a cycle, they're doing well, and then God raises up a judge, and then all of a sudden things are good for a while, and then they go back right into that. Let me just, can I just say, and I'm, I, I'm, maybe I'll be prophetic, and this is part of the prophetic aspect of being a pastor as well, and looking at the Word. Listen, this ought not to be. Just because it's there doesn't mean we have to continue that cycle. That I have, I'm good for 10 years, I'm bad for 10 years. I'm, God's good and His grace, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm a covenant person. God's going to take care of me. Or a generation does this or that. And then this king, or a father, and then his son, then his son. And it kill- No, you don't have to do it. There's no excuse. Well, God's so good. No, it doesn't have to be the way. You know how I know that's true? And this always is, I have a, such a beef with that cheap grace approach to our Christianity. You know what it is? It, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he's, or I'm sorry, the Hebrews, it, not Paul, but the Hebrews, it was written, it says that these things were written and recorded. Why? Why were the things historically with God's people recorded? Why? What is the main reason? So you don't do it. You don't do the same thing so that we don't have to repeat that same cycle. And we get caught up in that. We're not supposed to lean on that grace of God and say, well, it was cyclical. Yes, it is. Life is like that. We still live in this body. I get it. We struggle with things. But the cycle of going up and down or being, you don't, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. We have Jesus who's victorious, who's alive, who is still Emmanuel, God with us, and he takes us through, not like this, on a roller coaster, but that, yes, we might have dips, but our trajectory should be upward or more and more like him. Sorry, I'm on a tangent. But we, we, we need to take that to heart. There is, there is no place for that to, to become complacent with that mentality that, well, that's how it was with God's people, and it's okay. No, it's not okay. God wants us to be his people. We're chosen, we're set apart, and these things were written so we're not like them. Anyway, we have all these kings, good bad king, bad king. And Ahab, I mean Ahaz, is a bad king. Really bad. You'll read about it if you read the, the context there. And he's king of Judah, the southern kingdom of, of, of the kingdom of Israel. And He's wicked, unlike his father, Jotham. And then, of course, after Ahaz comes Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was a good king. You can read about him later on in Isaiah, uh, in the further chapters in the 30s. And he's facing, he's in a mess. Because Jerusalem is in danger of falling, being taken over, destroyed. And his, and his kingdom, not even just his kingdom as a king, but his very life is at stake. It's, it's there on the chopping block, if you will. It's, it's, on, it's, it's, it's in danger of coming to an end. And at the aqueduct, as you read in chapter 7, he has this, the prophet meets him. God sends Isaiah. And they, at the edge of the town there, they meet at this aqueduct, this waterway, and they have, this is where the word comes to him. And God gives it to him. And Ahaz examines, when he goes there, all the resources at his disposal and tries to determine the best way to proceed. Now, mind you, he's not considering God as a resource. He's not. And still, God comes to him with Isaiah the prophet and and. 
he is offered a promise of light in the darkness, if you will. It's here, and it's here also that once that word comes, Ahaz rejects that promise. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. And, and behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat, uh, and he explains what he does. But he will, there will be Emmanuel who was born. And I'm only focusing on one verse because I'm giving you the context. But there's this sign. God is telling him, ask me for a sign. I want to maintain my relationship and I want to be the one you rely on. I'm still a covenant God. And I want, but Ahaz would have nothing to do with it. Think about, this is what it's like for Ahaz. Bad dude. He's living bad. He's living in darkness, if we just give you a picture. Have you ever been in a situation, and I, abs- and I will use, I absolutely hate when this happens in my life. I hate that if I'm in a dark room, and it's completely dark, and I'm sleeping, and I've been that way for hours, and all of a sudden, someone comes in, and the light comes on, I hate that feeling. I cannot stand being, when I'm, my eyes are adjusted, I'm in that mind frame, and it's dark, it's, and all of a sudden, this light just penetrates my pupil and burns my retina. I can't stand it. I don't like the feeling. It's almost painful for me. And, I, and when it, has that happened to you? Where you've been in a room and it, you've been sleeping or something and all of a sudden puts a light on and, and you're like, you want to throw the blankets over, you want to cover your eyes. It's, the feeling, it's like, ah, stop it. Shut it off. Do you know that's exactly how it is with Ahaz in a spiritual way? He's been dark for so long. He's been in darkness for this long. And all of a sudden, the Word of God comes to him, and it's the same thing. It's almost shocking. It's almost unbelievable. It's impossible. Yeah, sign, whatever. I don't want it. I'm going to do it myself. It, it, it blinds him. He, he can't handle it. He rejects this promise. And God says, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give you one anyway, because I'm God. I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And that's where I... Isaiah says and gives him this word that, that, this, 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 that Emmanuel will be born and she will bear him, this, this virgin, and she will call his name Emmanuel. This is going to be the sign that I'm still God, I'm still in charge, and I'm the only way that you'll have security and peace in your kingdom. I'm the only one. And he wants nothing to do with it. Now, listen, when it can be pretty tempting in those situations, and we have, may have been in those situations even as a Christian. Yes, as a Christian. And if you're not a believer, you know, the Bible says you're walking in darkness. And so when the light of God shines, it's natural to cover up and not want anything to do with that. But when you're a Christian and you find yourself in a place, maybe like Ahaz, and, or you're off track, or you're, you're, you've been under the covers, and you're in darkness, and you're living or doing, and the light shines on you, it's the same thing. Your reaction is the same way a lot of times. Don't pull the covers over. Don't yell and scream and cover your eyes. Yes, for a moment, but take it. If it's the Lord, let it, let it soak into your life. Take that word and listen to it. Don't stay in the darkness. That's my point here. Don't stay in the darkness. And it's exactly what happened to Ahaz, like that light switch going on in that dark room. The message of Isaiah to Ahaz, who was in trouble, by the way, and relying on his own resources, did not immediately change the circumstances of his situation. 
Just because God gave a word, that didn't mean everything changed right away all of a sudden. There were still two powerful armies, the northern kingdom and then Assyria, they coalesced, breathing down his neck. And armies, by the way, they were armies who had already defeated him one time before. His confidence was like, yeah, God, this, I don't need that. I'm going to do it myself. I want to figure things out on my own. Even though I don't want to sign God. I don't need you. I'm going to figure it out. Ahaz, here's the thing. Ahaz, if I could put it this way, he was out of practice in the art of trust because of what had happened and where he had been. You can read about that. Ahaz was not able to look past the immediate circumstances that he was in and trust that whatever God was going to do in the future would be enough to deal with the mess of the present. God had a word, he had a promise, and he wouldn't take it. And it was, what was going to happen was big enough to even deal with what was happening now. And it would come, but he couldn't see it. See, Ahaz was in the habit of looking to idols. We do the same thing. I, I know it's different. It's not an exact correlation and parallel, because if you're a Christian, we're, we're hopefully not like bad, wicked kings, right? But... We, have the, we don't want to be like that. We don't want to get into a habit of looking at idols and looking at other things first and worshiping them and relying on them as our source of strength and wisdom in situations like Ahaz did and saying, God, yeah, you know, you, there's signs all around me or you're going to give me a sign, but I don't want it. I'm, I'm going I'm to try myself. I want to make it happen. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to make it. Don't be like Ahaz. Ahaz was overwhelmed by the circumstances he was in, and he was unable to see past him. And he couldn't trust the promise. And and here's the thing. Ahaz needed to take control of his own security. And can I just, I'm going to make, I'm not making the argument, I'll make the statement, and I can argue about it afterwards if you want. Most of us are the same way. Yes, even now. We are the same way. We want to take control of our own security. Don't tell me that's not true. I know because I'm like you. I'm not exactly you, but I'm like you in many ways. It's a human. We want to do that. And we go through life in phases and different things. We want to take control of our own security. We jump in and we, listen, don't be careful. You don't fall into that trap. Because the end of that is not always the best. And A, see, here's the thing. A has wants, he wants a chalkboard or a whiteboard if it's digital, whatever, you know, those, those cool things. And, and, and he wants to see on that board the battle plans. He wants to see the schematics, every move, every angle, everything that's going to happen. Otherwise, no. That's how he wants to map it out and plan it. And by the way, there's wisdom in that. We plan, we prepare. Don't misunderstand me. But he wanted this battle plan. And, he, but, and even more, he wanted tangible assistance. What about you today? You know, we get in a jam and we got to, I'll just make it very practical. You're in a financial situation and you're up against it. You got to pay a bill and you can't. There's no tangible evidence. You don't have any, you don't even see it on the, the chalkboard, on your, on your account, on your app with your bank. You don't see it to pay the bill. You, you can't see it drawn out on your checkbook register if you do that. You, you don't see that. You don't see the green bills laying around the greenbacks. You, should pay, you don't have that. 
Because you, you rely on the tangible evidence and, and the tangible assistant. Just supposed, to, You know, God is not tangible. Not right now, he's not. But he's still Emmanuel, God with us. He's still present. And Ahaz could not get a hold of that. He wanted to rely on what he could see, feel, smell, and process on paper. That was his reliance. And God comes and says to Isaiah, listen, I'm going to give you a sign. It's a reminder of who I am, and I have a plan. No, I want nothing to do with it. I'm going to do it myself. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. I'm not telling you not to make plans, but don't be that person. Don't forget, God has something for you, and he has a plan for you. And even though you don't see him, he's still there. And through Isaiah, the Lord makes this offer. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Can I just paraphrase? Ask me for anything to prove that I'm the real deal and that I'll work for you and that I'm here. God invites him for a sign, and he offers tangible proof of his faithfulness, think about this, to this incredibly unfaithful king. Yes. Even if you're not a Christian, God has given you all kinds of signs throughout your life. I believe that. And if you're a Christian, you can look back and you realize even now, God gives you all kinds of signs, evidences, workings in your life that it's Him, that He is God with you right now, Emmanuel. Amen? Amen. Over and over and over again. I've been there. You've been there. Listen, again, it's proof of God's faithfulness to this incredibly unfaithful king because God is so... He's consistent. He's faithful. He's a covenant God. Have you ever noticed? Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that sometimes it is, it's the people who have been walking the farthest away from God who are gifted with the most dramatic signs of God's presence? Honestly, it makes me jealous, in a sense. Actually, it, it seems so unfair. Fair somehow, right? It doesn't seem fair. But can I just tell you something? Our God is gracious more than he is fair. He's fair too. He's gracious. And I have to accept that. I have to adopt that because in my life, someone might say that about me. Oh, well, God never speaks to We compare. Listen, God gives us signs. He reveals himself to us and he wants to. God actually invites Ahaz for any sign and he rejects and he gives him a sign anyway. You're gonna, there's going to be a, a woman who gives birth to a son and a virgin and he's going to be called, gonna be called Emmanuel. See, Isaiah's words were a promise of light in the darkness. Ahaz didn't have the faith to receive that promise. Ahaz, Ahaz acted instead according to his own efforts to determine the best way to proceed. He turned to the king of Assyria for help. And made an alliance. He wouldn't want the sign. Now, let me just, four quick things that I want to touch on about this idea of signs. And make the analogy to the road signs that we see on the roads in our lives. And there's there's a parallel, right? Because God has given signs throughout all of history of his existence, of his presence within and with creation and with his people. And we need to make sure that we take note of them. Recognize them. And, and signs are simply, if, if you want to make a broad definition here, it's an outward, signs are an outward fact which serve as proof of something or somewhere. Now, in the physical, when you have signs, right, they're evidence, they're proof 
of, of things. They, they prove a couple of things. They, they, they tell us where we are, right? Now, did you know, and maybe you might not know this because you probably don't care, and that's okay, but on 95, Route 95, just three miles up the road here, and on every highway in the internet system, interstate system across the country, every so often it is required that you have a sign that says 95 North, for example, or 95 South, wherever you are. It's required. Why? Because people forget where they are. Believe it or not. It might seem silly, but the signs are there so you know where you are. And that's what signs do. But signs also tell us where to go, don't they? Now, they're doing a construction here on Exit 3, which I have missed it a few times coming back. It's kind of, I'm laughing because I missed the exit and I have to go all the way to Exit 2 and come back, you know? It's five minutes, but whatever. It's annoying, right? So the thing is, is that they, I see the sign... And I see this so often, and honestly, I've done this too, Lord forgive me. But you're driving down, you see exit 3, 1 mile. 138, 1 mile. But still, you drive. You're going, and it's told you where to go, because I want to get off exit 3. I know i got to take a right in, a, in 1 mile. It's giving me instruction, if you will. And yet, still, I wait until the last 500 feet, and then I cut in in front of somebody and get off. Or I've had that done to me a lot of times. And I know none of you have ever done that before. Because we're New England drivers. But they tell us where to go. So we should take notes and not wait till the last minute. And then it can be catastrophic if you wait till the last minute. Pay attention to the signs that God is putting out there. You know, John said in his gospel in chapter 20. He's, and, and he says it again in verse, chapter 21. But in, in cha- chapter 20, in verse 30, he says... John the Apostle. And truly, Jesus did many other signs. I'll I'll take the liberty to say that when we say uh, signs, they were miraculous proofs for who Jesus was. Evidences of who he was. He did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, why? There's a purpose statement at the end of John's Gospel, why he wrote it. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in Him. Don't miss the sign. Don't miss the Emmanuel in Scripture that God is with us. It's Jesus. Think about the signs we have, and again... You know, for, for on our, our, we used to have those, those uh, GPS, you used to buy them, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It was the coolest thing, right? And you suction it up on your windshield, and you're like the cool person driving. You got this thing glowing at night, and you can see the map, and everyone's like, you're the envy of the driver next to you. Oh, they got a GPS unit, you know? And now it's like, you got it on your phone, you type your thing in Google Maps, and it's like, everybody has it, right? And so we rely on those so, so much. They, and, and, for, and here's the thing, for as long as men or humans, people, since Adam and Eve have been around, people, humanity has always looked for signs, or if I could say proof, that there is a God, and that this God is personal, and they want to know how he works, and where their place is in relationship with him, and in the world, and so on and so forth. But, but how do we treat the signs around us? Even the ones that God has given us, how do we treat the signs around us? Are we going to be like Ahaz? I suggest, again, this analogy of the road signs. Because here's what we can do with signs. And they're quick, I promise you. We can miss them. We can first miss signs. Have you ever missed a sign driving? I have. I'll admit that. 
You have too. It's happened to all of us. We miss a sign. Why do we miss a sign when we're driving? What's the number one reason? Because we're distracted. Plain and simple. Could be, but we're distracted in some way. Our mind wanders off. Maybe we're driving home from work and, and it's, it's heavy on your mind about what you've got to complete or what happened that day. And you're just zoned out and your mind is so filled. And you're, you, it's automatic. It's the way you go home. But you missed the sign. You missed the exit. You missed your street because you're preoccupied or distracted and you miss the sign. The same thing can happen with us and the Lord. We can be so distracted that we miss all the signs He provides around us, all the evidences and all the outworkings of, of His power in our lives and in our situations. We can do that. We're distracted by things, people, and even our dreams, our aspirations, our motivations. We can be distracted by those things. Or if we're not distracted, another thing that can happen primarily is that we're going way too fast. We're going way too fast. And we just miss it completely because we're flying by. And we're doing our own thing. And if I could just make the parallel to our spiritual journey. And we're going we're, we're gonna to keep going. We're determined. We're, we're going to fly through life. I got it figured out. I'm going to go. And we're going. And we miss it. And then before you know it, we're at the edge of a problem somewhere. And we're really lost. For example, think about the beauty of nature that God has created. Creation all around us. When's the last time, and I'm being serious, when's the last time you stopped and just were like, wow. Another evidence that there is a creator of God. And many others, you put them all together and you realize it points to Jesus. But one of the evidence, and, and there's a God. There's, this is incredible, it's so vast, so big, and yet it's so intricate and beautiful. And just the detail, and yet the expanse, it's just mind-blowing. When's the last time you did that? That's a sign, by the way. And we've become so used to it. And for example, we, we love, I mean, for Caroline now, it doesn't matter anymore because the, the, she was just in Hawaii. So the Rhode Island coastline is a joke compared to Hawaii's coastline, right? But, but the Rhode Island coastline is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. I'm, if you haven't done that, and you've lived in Rhode Island, and I'm not even a native Rhode Islander, but it's, well, 25 years, so I guess I'm kind of there. It is beautiful. We have a beautiful coastline in Rhode Island, believe me. And the different views that we have from the different beaches and areas of the state, absolutely stunning and beautiful. And it, it points to just God's finger working in all in the middle of Narragansett Bay, down at Galilee, you know, making little impressions, moving things around, putting rocks on this beach, no rocks on that beach. It's incredible. We miss these signs. Don't miss it. And we get so used to it. We become so comfortable and we're so familiar with it that it almost breeds contempt. We don't care anymore. We miss it. Don't be that person. The Pharisees and the Jewish people did exactly that. John says in his Gospel, chapter 1, verses 10 to 11, that they missed the fact that he was with them. But although the world was made through him, John said... The world didn't recognize him when he came. They missed him. Even his own land and among his own people, he was not accepted. He wasn't recognized as being who he was. Emmanuel, God with us, their Messiah. Missed it. Right in front of their face. Don't be that person. Don't miss God when he's even right in front of your face. Secondly, you can misinterpret signs. Not just miss them, but you can misinterpret them. You know what? You can misinterpret them because they might be confusing. And I would say that if you have been in uh, traffic patterns that have been changed or, or different because of construction in Rhode Island, you've definitely been confused. Right? 
It's confusing because it feels like sometimes you don't know you know where to go. Is it this way? Is it that way? Where is that street? Where, where is that arrow going? What's I mean, you can or just don't understand what the sign says sometimes. You can misinterpret them, and then when you misinterpret them, you might go the wrong way, or you th- you make a bad decision because you misinterpret it, and you end up in an accident. You can misinterpret signs very easily. You know who misinterpreted a sign? was King Herod. He heard about Jesus coming and being born. And how did he interpret that? My kingdom is threatened. He misinterpreted. Jesus wasn't coming to set up a political kingdom. And he misinterpreted that. Fearful, insecure. And he had all the, the, the young boys slaughtered because he, didn't, he wanted to make sure that no one could unseat him or take his seat on the throne. He misinterpreted the sign of Jesus' birth. Of Jesus coming. You know, we can also be stubborn, not even just insecure, but stubborn. Now, how many of you have been in a situation where you're with your spouse in the car and you're always the right one which direction to go? I know none of you. Um, Pastor Dan, he's giving me his thumbs up. I I can affirm that too. So that's two of us. That's cool. Um, Two of us are right. Um, But you can get into like, no, go right, go left. I mean, we don't have that as much now because of GPS, obviously. But back in the day, I, yeah. And some of you still do that, even with GPS. No, it didn't say that. It said that. No, it, it, we get into those things and we can misinterpret or get, because we're confused or just don't understand what's going on. And then, then it becomes a problem. Sometimes things come our way in life that we just don't have an answer for. And we say, we might say, why, God? I thought you were a good, loving God. And we want the evidence. We want the evidence that God loves us to be. This is what we want the evidence to be. That everything is smooth, easy, and convenient. That's the sign in my life that God is Emmanuel with us. Uh-uh. Because even Jesus got in the boat with his disciples and says, let's go to the other side. And there was a storm, and he was with them in that storm. And he wanted to go, and he knew it was going to happen. He went through it with them. Not always easy and convenient. And sometimes we have breakdowns. Sometimes we're in traffic jams on our journey. But, but, like, but the signs remain. The signs are still there. And just like Christ, he's still Emmanuel. He's still God with us. Thirdly, we can ignore signs. Have any of you ever ignored signs? You knew it was there, but you ignore it. So we become so familiar with them that their meaning is lost. We know they're there. We even know in the back of our mind what it says, but we just, it becomes so just um, mechanical and just like robotic when we go by on our trips or whatever. You know, for example, going back to, to Rhode Island drivers, we, we, on 95, what's the speed limit? Not in the construction zone, but if you go a little north, 65, right? Well, so, all right. So, so most of us will drive 70 or 75, but I'm talking about, Rhode Islanders and New Englanders here. So that's a really conservative number. You've been on 95. And the people who are chuckling at themselves know that I'm speaking to them and they're being convicted because they drive a lot faster. <laughs> we, we, we ignore signs in our lives. We ignore Signs in our lives. This is a sign. 
History is a sign. That Jesus came is a sign. The counsel we have with one another and God's Spirit in us and we, we, we want to determine where we go and we, we get, I'll, I'll use them, signs or evidences as we rely on Scripture, the Holy Spirit in prayer. We get signs and we can just ignore them sometime and we get so used to them and we just become religious. And when it becomes mechanical and just religious, we have a problem. We do it just to do it, but we're ignoring the, the substance and what the spirit behind everything is. And you know what the result is? Is that, if I could play on the whole sign concept, is that there is no sign of God's presence in our lives. doesn't mean He's not there, but he's, we're blowing Him off. We're ignoring Him. Don't ignore the signs God puts in your life, especially through Scripture and through people and your conversations and in prayer. Don't ignore that. Don't be like an Ahaz. Don't be like, just don't, don't, don't. Because you, you want to be filled with God's presence and you want Him to be with you all the time. And Take His counsel. Don't ignore it. Don't blow by Him like you do that 65 mile an hour speed limit sign and you're going 90. Don't do it. The last thing you can do, and as we come closer to the close here, is look for the signs and pay attention to them. You can look for them, be aware of them, and pay attention to them. Plain and simple. It's as easy as it gets to tell you what you could do with a sign. You look for them, you pay attention, and you do what the sign tells you. Obey the sign, if you, if you want to put it that way. Slow down and pay attention. But I know everything already. I've got years of knowledge. I've got years of experience. I've been through this. And you just fly along. Slow down and pay attention. I'm not trying to lull you to sleep. I'm trying to tell you, slow down and pay attention. Follow the signs. And if you do, you'll reach your destination safely. Three examples. Shepherds in, at the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, they took notice. They took notice of the sign. When you have a choir of angels in the heavens and you're in the field with your sheep, and all of a sudden, and all these angels are there, and they're saying, glory to God in the highest. There is a Savior born in the city of David. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. Go! I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but go. They could have been like, whoa, dude, that's crazy, man. I'm ignoring that. I'm, I think I'm dreaming. Like, you know, whatever. They could have ignored it. They, I don't think they missed this sign. <laughs> I really don't. But they could have ignored it. They could, they could have misinterpreted it, but that's hard to do when it's clear, the message is clear. And often, it is clear. The signs are usually very clear. So what did they do? They, they followed the sign. The sign was the angels telling them where to go. And they went and they found the evidence that God loved the world so much that he came to earth and he's there as a babe, the God-man, the incarnation, God coming as a man so that he could die for our sins. And they worshiped him there. They got to meet Jesus when they followed the sign. How about the wise men? They did the same thing. They got to meet Jesus because they didn't ignore the signs. But, but here's the problem. On top of that, they didn't want to misinterpret the signs like Herod did. So they went and got counsel and they found out with all the scholars. And they, they found out and they found, they got advice and they got direction. And it took them a long time to reach their destination, by the way. But they got to a place where they could worship Christ, because they followed a star. That's a pretty awesome sign. A sign that Christ was born and where he was in that house. They, they found Jesus and they worshipped him. By the way, there's a really cool thing happening this month. It's called a Christmas star in astronomy. You can look it up. There's going to be a Christmas star. Do your research. 
Hope you see it in, a, in about a week and a half or so, okay? It's pretty cool. The wise men didn't ignore it. They didn't misinterpret. And as a result, they met Jesus. And then lastly, in Luke chapter 2, there's Simeon, who for a long time, he was waiting for the Messiah to come in chapter 2 of Luke. And he looked and he waited. And then he said, finally, after all his life, he's old, he's feeble. He's, and he waited. He had hoped that the word would come true. And he said this in verse 30, I have seen the Savior. I heard the signs. I saw the signs historically. I paid attention to the signs. I had hope in the signs, God's word, the prophecies, God's people, his promises. And I seen you have given, he says, to all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. It was an awesome thing. The end result was that he saw Jesus. In the seats in front of you, is a communion cup. Preston, can you get me one real quick? Just grab them from behind the seat. We're going to partake in communion. Because communion reminds us of God, or of Jesus, I should say, who is Emmanuel, God with us. He came. He was born for that reason, to die for our sins. That's why He came. And this demonstrates, it symbolizes, it shows. This evidences that, if you will, through our act. And it shows again that even as you partake, His presence is still with us. He hasn't gone anywhere. That's why we do this with the church universal. All around the globe, we, we, we participate in this meal. Jesus said that I am the light of the world. I'm going to ask you to hold on before you open that, because it'll be a minute. And you can, but that's, just be careful. If you follow me, You won't be stumbling through the darkness, Jesus said, because you will have the light that leads to life. Can't you see that sign? Can't you see in a dark world that there is a light? And John declares that God has come to guide us through the light of Christ. For in Him was life and the light of men. Can't you see the evidence? Do you see the sign of His presence and work in creation, in history, and in your life even personally? C.S. Lewis said something. He said, I believe in Christ as I believe in the Son. For I not only see it, but by it see everything else. It's powerful. This is proof. Light has come into the darkness. Why do we need God with us, Emmanuel? Why do we need Him? Because He's holy. And each one of us is unrighteous without him why do we need god with us emmanuel because we have separated ourselves far away from him by our sins and yet he still remains emmanuel god with us why do we need god with us emmanuel because well if i could just because the human race because humans I'm going to abstain from using descriptors, but, well, let me just put it this way. You can see where humanity is heading. It's dark, it's sinful, and I would even use the word, it's headed toward oblivion. It doesn't sound good, and it's not. And so God sent the Son... And we hold this in our hands. God sent the Son, sent by the Father, and He sprang into action at the right time in history. Back to Galatians 4. He knew that according to the law, He had to lay down, he had to lay down His life. 
that a man must die because of that sin. He also was well aware that man could not be restored to his Creator until the law was perfectly kept and sin was done away with. But his love for his creation was so strong and deep that he did not want them to die. And to be true to his law that he established and to not be found a liar, a God who lies, someone had to die. Someone whose death would cancel the penalty of sin, would stop corruption and make all things new again. But to do this had to be a human. And so 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son to die for you and me. This is why we need Emmanuel, God with us. Our Emmanuel. Because the truth is, and you can open the top film to get your way for the truth is, that only He can undo what we have done. Only He. Only the one who created us in the first place can restore us again. Only our Creator can break down the wall of sin that separates His creatures from Himself. And only He can give their lives the meaning and completeness that they were supposed to have, He intends for them to have. Only Emmanuel, God with us, can rescue us from sin and an eternity that is void of His presence. And so, with thankfulness, we participate in the Lord's Supper. We celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, what He did for us, and we remember, as I read Paul's words, and then we partake, that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, If I receive from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of of me. I came, I was here, but I'm Emmanuel, God with you still, and as you partake, you remind yourself of that. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, the cup is the new, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, thank you for this word this morning. Help us to see the signs, to be encouraged, uplifted, guided by the signs, especially of of your word, God, and your spirit working in us and revealing to us all the evidences in your word, all the evidences in creation, and all the evidence, God, even in, in our own hearts, because your spirit is there as your people. God, I pray that we would just be filled to overflowing with joy because you are still Emmanuel, God, with us. Thank you for coming for us. Thank you for shedding your blood that our sins might be forgiven.